We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Take two. Podcast part two. <laughs> the fun of Te- podcasting. Technical difficulties. Well, technical the, the fun of podcasting while driving down the road, right? Yes. Don't <laughs> let it fall this time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and keep an eye on it this time. So, all right. We're going to have to try and remember a lot of the stuff that we said. But it shouldn't be that hard because we've had this podcast before. We've, we've been harping on this for some time. Yeah, the topic today, um, we're going right back on the soapbox. Uh and the reason is because we can't quit. They're not because quit. they're not quitting. We're, we're, we can't quit. So we've we've done this podcast before. We've talked about this issue before, but we believe it is an extremely important issue. Um, it, it is a truly backbone issue. It is a key keystone issue, if you will. It it's important. Um, the Wildlife Federation is at it again. They. They sent out a newsletter, and if you got this newsletter, chances are you are a member of the Wildlife Federation. Whether you want to be or Whether not. Whether you want to be or not. Because what happens is it's kind of a double-edged sword because you want to be informed, but you also you know don't, don't want to be giving them money. I mean, if you, if you do, that's fine. I don't. Um, but... but how they get their membership because they don't have like an actual signed up membership or a, they don't have they dues, don't have anybody that pays they don't dues. have paid membership yeah so what they do for members is they have ipred the emails from all of the would be hunters who applied for uh, hunting tags through the public land draw system mm-hmm. and they've taken those emails and put them into their system and called them their members. Correct. It's also one of the ways they get funded, uh, aside from donations from, you know, several from mysterious anti-hunting and yeah. anti-Second Amendment entities from mysterious sources. Right. Um, a, a good part of their funding comes from grants and such that are tied to membership quotas. Right. The you know the higher their membership, the more money they can get from grants and such. So. If you don't want them getting any money from you, and not, and not specifically from you, but you know, in your name or because of you, then you should go and unsubscribe to those emails. Tell them to take you off their damn list because you didn't ask to be a member. If you want to be a member, by all means, proceed. Um, but anyway, they sent out this newsletter. It's not on their website um, as of today, anyway, and it is not on social media. As of today, which so makes very, you go hmm. very, yeah, very covert. Which is what they do. You know, one of the one of the biggest problems that both you and I had with them in the beginning, when we first got pissed off at them, way back when over the roundup tags, yep. was because of their underhanded tactics. They're they're very sneaky. Uh, they play dirty pool. They outright, they straight up lie. I've got several instances from this newsletter that are straight up um, a misconception. They're 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 just they they're, take, they're they, not giving you the entire truth to try and paint a they, pretty picture. They misconstrue information yeah. to 
to trick you into supporting their agenda. Yeah. All in the name of you're being robbed of your right to hunt. Yeah. Um, you're being robbed of tags by the Department of Game and Fish so they can get more money. Um, it, it's just very dirty, very underhanded. It's what pisses me off. Um, at, you know, and, and then there's straight up lies. You know, uh, Jesse Dubel, who is the director or the boss or whatever you want to call him of the Wildlife Federation. New Mexico um, Wildlife Federation distinction. Yeah, New Mexico Wildlife Federation, sorry. Um, straight up lied because he said, and I quote, he is not after private land tags. He is only concerned with the unit-wide portion of the E-plus system. And he said that. Rodney's got screenshots, got, got all have, the documentation. from him. He said that on social media yep. back when Martin... Senator Heinrich's letter come out um, asking the governor to look at the inequality in in the draw system and and blah blah blah. Yeah. Back when that happened, back you know when when they started their their charge with SB three twelve, that's what he said. They were only after the unit wide. And if you go back and you look at Senator Heinrich's letter, it never specifies unit wide. Nope. Uh, it makes reference to unit wide, but it never specifies it. Yeah. And that was Jesse's response when Rodney questioned him. No, 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 no. We're just after. We just want to get rid of unit wide. Uh, we're not after pub- private land tax. Yeah, lies. And, and this article, this article here, straight up says that they're after private land tags one hundred percent. It is not just after unit wide. They are after the tags. They are at. They are what they want. What they truly want. Is to take private land away from public land owners. Want, that's what thirty thirty is about. They want what, yeah, they want access it. to private yep. land. And, and, and they want and access they want. to it, and they also want to take it. Yep. That's what thirty by thirty is. Yep. That's what this new infrastructure bill that passed in the U.S. at the at the, the federal level. level is. They are after private land. They want to take it away from the American people, and that is well, that's stealing. That's just plain wrong. Yeah. Um, that's that's what they're doing. I, I'm not going to pull any punches here. That's what they are after. Um, and anything, if they say anything else, they're just lying again. It's and every, and, and the reason, every action they have taken, regardless mm-hmm. of what they said, has pointed to that. Yes. Yeah. Period. And that's what they're after. That's that's what they're doing. The, the Senate Bill 312, um, this crap with the E-plus system, the infrastructure bill, the 30 by 30 bill... All of these things are geared towards, number one, truly making hunting an elitist sport, uh, which it is currently not. I, I, and, and they're so cerebral, man. They're freaking smart about this shit. They're really smart about this shit. And they, they, they do it just one little piece at a time. We're going to take this, and then we're going to take that, and then we're going to take this, you know. And... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, we've got to start recognizing that and well, start fighting. We're it. we're so far behind the curve. They we have, way have been the they've been doing this for a long time. They've been planning time. this and doing this for a very 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 long time. You know, and that's why the 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 three twelve debate was so so. I'm kind of getting off topic here, but we usually do that. The three twelve debate was so important, and the most important part about that was was to to me was this one little thing. There was a lot of people out there just saying. It's just a name change. It doesn't mean anything. 
that's a, that, that's ignorance right there because a name change means everything. Okay, and, and let me and let me clue you in. Everything we're going to talk about this E plus thing, but then we're going to talk about another deal. They're not done with three twelve. No, they're not. I have personal personal knowledge that that is coming back. Yep. Again, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. But the specific point I want to make on that is that words have meaning, and if you don't think words have meaning, go to court. All right, because in court, words have very specific meaning. That's what takes so long to pass these laws to get to get these bills drawn up done and, right. written and and legislated is to get it to get the words so they can't be misconstrued, right? And basically what they were trying to do with that 312 is pull the wool over our eyes and say, hey, it's just a name change. It doesn't mean anything. No, it absolutely means something. Because the Department of Game and Fish means that we rule the managing the Department of Game and Fish. Okay? When you change it to the Department of Wildlife, it's everything. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge difference. Well, and, let's let's save that. Our we're going to talk, talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Let's save that. So, so back to this this little letter that they wrote out. Um, call to action. Yeah, it's a call to action. It's basically getting everybody or asking everybody to contact the New Mexico Attorney General's office to demand to make the elk hunting draw work for all New Mexicans, not just the wealthy or well connected. You'll notice that they again playing smart, right? Yeah. They, they made it sound like you're a part of this elite group. Yeah. They sent this to you and a select other group of yeah. hunters. Yeah. Not just anybody got this. Yeah. Only anybody that's ever applying for a hunt in New Mexico. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's their membership. Um, oh. We need to change our laws and rate. Like I'm not going to read every ounce of this, but I've got to go through it. But we want um, we want to we want to touch on the points where where they where they give you a hint of the truth and then they twist it. Yeah. So, so here's a line: We need New Mexicans to take back control of the wildlife that belongs collectively to all of us. Okay. Where have we lost control? All right. So the system is set up in a way that. And, and let's not forget, the uh, the majority of the landowners in New Mexico, guess what they are? Citizens. New Mexicans. Yeah, citizens. I'll be damned. Um, but but for some reason, if, you, if you've if you prospered and you own land, um, now all of a sudden you're this evil entity, which is just not true. Um, but the way that the, the E-plus system is set up... There's three, there's three management categories, right? There's the core, primary, primary, primary zone. management zone, secondary management zone, and, and specialty special management zones. Mm-hmm. Okay, in the secondary management zones, none of this applies really. None it's, of it applies. It's there's a public draw system, but outside of that, private landowners can really hunt to their heart's content. They can purchase as many over-the-counter tags as they want. And there's a reason for that. Yes. The reason is, it's not prime elk habitat. Nope, it's, it's not. not places that you would typically expect to find elk. It's not where, um, really, the department is, is actively managing those populations. Yep. And so there's not a biological need for them to get involved and 
actively managed on private property. Exactly. Which is something that I necessarily, that I kind of disagree with. I think that they should manage those. If there's elk there, I think that they should be managing it. Um, Because one thing that's, you know, been said a lot is that um, all of New Mexico was elk habitat at one point, right? So... But that's besides the point. But uh, that that would get us into a further discussion about money and resources and blah, correct, blah, blah. Correct. Um, so that's the secondary management zone. Specialty management zones are, are places where, one, it's like 90% private or... Specialty management zones are built as specialty management zones yes. because they fall within the criteria of being a primary zone. They fall yes. within the criteria of being prime elk habitat. But the problem is the algorithm that they use to uh, to basically allocate licenses, public and private, in the primary zone don't work in the specialty management zones because there are large enough private landowners that it would skew the numbers. Um, let's take 55, for example. Yeah. There are several large landowners in 55A. Were they to use the typical algorithm to allocate uh, the public land, private land licenses yeah. in that unit? Which is it, basically 100% private land. It, it, almost. Yeah. Vivadol. Yeah. Which is a once-in-a-lifetime hunt, right? Yeah. But if they were to use the algorithm they use in the primary zone, the private land would eat up all those tags and the public wouldn't get any. Yeah. So they've made it a special management zone yep. that does not fit the rules of the primary management zone. Exactly. So those are the... And then you have the primary management zone, which is where E-plus it spends all of its time, yes. right? And... We'll use Unit 34. Unit 34 seems to be always be my example. We'll use Unit 34. Let's say Unit 34 is um, 60-40. public land, 40% private land. That that number That's is just a, a number sp- I pulled right, I'm not, yeah. right out of my butt. That's, I don't know. Don't quote that number. Yeah, I do We're not know. We're just using it as an example. Yeah, using it as an example. I don't know what the actual percentages are. But... Under the assumption that it's 60-40, public to private, 60% of allocation, 60% of elk tax um, would go to the public draw system. Yep. All right? And inside of that 60%, 84% by law would go to New Mexico residents. We'll touch on that in a minute. Yeah, 10%, 6% uh, to outfitters and non-residents. And then 40%... Would go to private landowners. Those private landowners, depending on different variables, get put into a draw and are eligible for certain numbers of tax. Not all private landowners sign up for the E-Bless system. There's a lot of them that don't even bother with it. They don't get into it. Correct. They're not, they don't have their land for hunting. They have enough money to fend for their land without having to supplement anything or whatever. I don't know the reason, but not all of them get into it. Right, but those that do, this is the system that they're put into. It's a draw. Yeah, and they get these tags, and then what they do is sell trespass rights. Right? They have, you'll have a ranch that gets thirty allocations, and so they can sell thirty hunts, hunts to people, trespass rights to thirty different people. 
All right. And, and when they sell those trespass rights to these people, they give them an allocation. Now, so let let me make a dis- let me make a distinction here. Uh, Rodney talked about it just a little bit earlier. Um, words have meanings. Mm-hmm. The the Wildlife Federation in this in this yeah. uh, call to action and in previous articles, they interchange. They give roughly half of all available elk tags to private landowners Correct. in the form of authorization. Correct. So they actually do call it outright. Well, okay, so. But they, they use it interchangeably. They use allocations and tags mm-hmm. interchangeably. Um, yeah. There's a, so there's a difference. An allocation, and we made this point before if you haven't heard it, an allocation is simply a number that says you may hunt elk on this piece of private property. Yep. That allocation in and of itself is worthless. Completely. Unless it is converted to an actual license. Yep. And so, any hunter, let's say uh, Jim Bob uh, down in uh, Texas, Texas <laughs> wanted to come hunt, he pays a landowner for this hunt. What he is paying for is, first, he gets the allocation. That allocation then has to be turned into a license. That money, 500 and some odd dollars, actually with, 587, the, with, with, with the habitat stamp and with a game hunting license, mm-hmm. typically those uh, either sex tags, they are going to pay the department 600 and some change, some yeah. change to convert that license or that allocation into a license. Yep. That money goes to the department. Does not go to the landowner. Nope. The remainder of whatever that landowner sold the hunt for goes to the landowner for trespass rights. Those trespass rights carry with them inherently access to the property and any number Lodging, of yeah, food, any number of uh, amenities yes. that that landowner has deemed uh, should be should go along with that trespass fee. Yep. So. If you have somebody selling a hunt for, let's say, a bull elk hunt for, let's say, $5,000, you can expect that that tag is going to be the exact same price. Not You're not going to expect that tag is going to be the exact same price uh, that a tag in the public draw system would be for either a resident or non-resident. Yep. And plenty of residents buy these tags. And plenty of the residents way. buy these tags, by the way. Um, the rest of that money is going to go towards accessing that property. Yep. If Typically, those lower-cost hunts are probably going to be smaller properties that don't have the amenities. The higher-cost hunts are going to be properties that provide a lot of amenities for the money that they're paying. Yep. And so, when people say uh, that they're that you know these these tags are worth a lot of money, it's it's not the tag. No. It's the access and trespass rights and the amenities that come with that and the quality, that cost the money. And, and the quality of it. And the quality of the hunt. The quality of the hunt, the quality of the animals that they have there. Um, you know, the more expensive ones are going to be on these bigger places that basically do not affect public lands, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're larger pieces of property where the hunters go and hunt completely on this private property never crossing public land hunting 
staying in a lodge, getting food, and and that's what they're paying for mostly. They're not the paying quality, for the animal. The quality of the lodge, the quality of the service, the quality of the guide, the quality of the hunt itself, you know, how how much country they, they have to hunt and all of that. That's what they're paying for, all right? They're paying for a service. And another distinction to make about this is there is no... Nothing out there stating that these private landowners have to sell it to non-residents. All right? It just happens to be that non-residents... Many or non-residents. The vast majority of the people buying these tags have more that have more money are non-residents. Okay? And that has nothing to do with the E-plus system at all. Yes. It just has to do with so, who's buying. So let and me, let landowners me, are going to sell to the person that has the most money. So let me put another spin on it. Okay? So they're always they're, it's always this public-private, right? Yep. Public land hunters do the same thing. They pay for the same thing. Yep. They just don't have to pay for trespass rights. Pass, trespass rights. Yep. Public land hunters who hire an outfitter are doing the exact same thing. They're paying for services. Yep. They're paying for knowledge. They're paying for amenities. They're paying for that on public land, and it happens all the time in states all across the United States yep. and in countries all across the world. Yep. People pay for that. Yep. So to say that only landowners, to demonize landowners for for that is absolutely incorrect. Yep. And a lot of this, too. A lot of this, another point, a lot of these landowners have nothing to do with it. An outfitter comes in and says, hey, I want to lease the hunting rights on your property. Yep. And the landowner sells the lease rights to the outfitter. Yep. And the outfitter then... Charges what he charges thinks. Charges for his services. Yep. Exactly. And that's and that's the same thing. And, and so... I think, I think we beat that point yeah. to death. But, but, you, you, but one more point I want to make for that is you've got taxes from the property going to your local area and to the state. Then you've got jobs created by these places for guides, for outfitters, for cooks, for servants, for lodging, all of these different things. All of these amenities come from somebody. And who do they typically come from? Residents. That's and their locals. job. That's yep. their livelihood. Especially Residents, in rural areas. Locals, you know, and that's important. It's important. It's a huge economic boon, boom to many, many, many rural areas in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, and like I said, we, we, we've kind of belabored that point. But it's a point I want to I make very clear. I am not a landowner. I don't nope. own any land. Um, nope. Rodney owns a you know a couple acres, but yeah, you know we're not. Elk on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what I do want to point out is there's this there's this public land sentiment running kind of rampant out there that oh public lands are the greatest thing in the world. If 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 you're a student of history, I will remind you this country was built on private property rights just going to say that yes um yeah yeah 100 all right back to the Um, article 
uh, roughly half the elk tags in the state go into the E-plus system. I'm pretty sure that that number is not correct. Um, but I don't have I don't have the information in front of me because we're driving down the road. So I'm not going to hit on that too much. But I do want to touch on it again because I'm pretty sure that we have touched on that. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that it's incorrect. I'm pretty sure that we looked and found that um, that is actually not the case, that resident. But I... What I'm stuck on is it might be total animals. So let me see if I let me see if I can't that. clarify a little bit. I asked Game and Fish for those numbers. I hadn't yet got them. If if that is correct, again, this is one of those places where they interchange allocations and tags. Yeah. If that is correct, if if they're saying that roughly half of the tags that's that's incorrect roughly half of the tags are 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 in the e-plus system that is incorrect i think actually tags sold tags sold so here's the difference okay i can i can speak to that if it was allocations possibly i'm still waiting on numbers for that but i can tell you definitively that tags sold are not roughly half tags sold on private lands across the state of new mexico are roughly one-third yes. of total tags. Yeah. So, having said that, I think this is the point that you were getting to. They misconstrue information. They misconstrue information. When you look at the landscape in New Mexico, roughly half of it is private land. So, even if half of those allocations were going to private land, it's kind of only right. Private landowners are providing half of the habitat in the state. Having said that, private landowners are extremely conservative with what they actually sell and harvest. And so then you see that one-third number come out. You see uh, out of, uh, I can't remember exactly how many, 36,000-some-odd licenses, elk licenses that were sold in 2020, 13,000 of them were on private land. Yep, yep. Um, so roughly half the tags go into the E-plus system. The system also offers private land much more flexibility on when to hunt. Yes, it does. Uh, that's not a lie. Um, it does. Uh, for elk, um, generally those tags are sold any five consecutive days. It doesn't have to be a specific hunt date. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing to keep in mind here is... Management strategy, okay? Management strategy on public land is done in multiple ways, right? Number of tags, limited antler points, uh, limited seasons, so on and so forth, right? Correct. Why is a bow hunt longer than a rifle hunt? Because it's harder to do. And because you can give them 21 days or 15 days, and guess what? The... The success rate, which is what they look at, mm-hmm. is going to be where you want it. So to get that success rate to where you want it, you have to fudge, fudge a little bit. Okay, we not, want the well, success. It's not even fudging; it's just uh, management. It's, it's managing. management. It's yeah. extending okay. that season we so want, that you can reach that harvest yeah. based on the implement that you're using. Exactly. We want the harvest rate to be about 25 percent. Okay, so if that's what they're shooting for, and they put a 10 day hunt out there, and the harvest rate is only 
one percent, eighteen percent. Well, then they're going to say, okay, you know what? We're going to extend that hunt by five days so we can get to that twenty-five percent that we're looking for. Yep. That's called management. That's what they do. So that is management style on public land. Guess what? On private land, they're not looking for that because they are expecting a much higher harvest rate. Yep. They're expecting it. All right. And the other thing that they expect is this, that even when they give out a hundred allocations for bull elk, they're probably only going to sell 80 of them. Why? Because these private landowners in an effort to maximize the value of their trespass rights of a hunt want to have a quality herd. Okay. So they manage differently than the state does. They don't manage for opportunity generally. They manage for quality. So the state knows this and they know what numbers they're going to get from these (coughs) private land hunters and they manage accordingly. It's wild. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So yes, there is more flexibility in private land because they're going to have, they're going to have that better success rate. It's, it's the way it, it's the way it is. Um, Average New Mexican, however, is limited to applying for draw licenses that are only good on public land. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's true. Here's another one. This one really pisses me off. New Mexico law that went into effect in 2012 requires a minimum of 80% of licenses shall be issued to residents of New Mexico. Not true. Straight up lie. Wait, wait. Partially, Facebook fact checker. Yeah. This is only partially true. Yeah, this is only partially true. It's actually completely false because by leaving something out, it makes it completely false. Yes. A minimum of 84% of the licenses in the public Public draw draw system system shall be issued to residents of New Mexico. And that is in statute. Statute. It's a very important distinction. This is where they lied to you about the roundup tax. A lie that cost you, the New Mexico residents... Hunting opportunities. Have the numbers to prove it. Roughly a thousand tags, wasn't it? Roughly a thousand tags. It absolutely cost the New Mexico residents opportunity. Opportunity and revenue when they got the roundup tags eradicated. Well And so they didn't even get the roundup they tags didn't eradicated. Get eradicated. They they crow that they got eradicated. Yeah, the rule still the, states that, that, that the it's, rule is still in place. Yes. It's just this director specifically chooses not to do it, Correct. which the rule allows him to do. Yes. The, the rule the rule absolutely the allows him to do that. The statute is still in place. Let me yeah. let me tell you if when they tell you we did that, they didn't do crap. They didn't do shit. They just they just they bullied the director bullied into the director into what they wanted to into do. doing that. That's it. That's all they did. They didn't change a single but thing. But like we said, in doing so, they shorted the residents. They shorted us. Yes, yep. absolutely they shorted us. Over um, over what? One bighorn sheep tag? Over one bighorn sheep sheep tag. And that was all thanks to, um, oh, what's his name? Brandon Wynn. Brandon Wynn, yeah. Another big jackass. Um, sorry, Kyle. The law further <laughs> specifies that 10% of licenses go to hunters who have entered into contract with an outfitter and 6% to non-resident hunters who are not required to hire an outfitter. Again, all those numbers are in statute by law only applicable to the public draw system. Correct. Nothing to do with the private land system. 
two complete, completely separate systems. Uh, here, here's your, your part that the Mexico Legislative Finance Committee released an audit last year that concluded that the game department's E-plus distribution of elk hunting licenses benefits private landowners and out-of-state hunters at the expense of resident hunters. And I don't, I, I have to look back at it, but I do not believe that legislative committee report said those words. I think it did. Did it? I actually think it did. Okay. Um, but, well, I know the article said that, but maybe the, maybe the actual um, audit did not. Um, but I think they're hand in hand. Possibly. So, I'd have to look back two, at it. Two, two things that two things that bother me with this there's some good information in that audit yeah there's some extremely good information in that audit but in no way shape or form does it show that it benefits private landowners or out-of-state hunters at the expense of residents yeah okay and so another thing we made this point earlier benefits out-of-state hunters no it doesn't it benefits and it doesn't even benefit, but it allows for opportunity for those who can't afford it. All right? I'm sorry if you can't afford it. That sucks. Work harder. Get a better job. I don't know what to say. All right? But you cannot blame people who have money and can afford it or much less blame private landowners to selling to the highest bidder when they can yeah. It has nothing to do with resident versus non-resident. It has to do with if you can afford it or you can't afford it. Basically. And if you want to if you want to quit buying um, you know, $12 pack of cigarettes and $30 cases of beer 24/7, you can budget and afford these hunts. Yes. You can. Absolutely. Um and to make a point like I said, I'd have to go back and look and see if that's what the legislative finance report said. But again, I think if it did say that, I think it was truly irresponsible for them to say at the expense of resident hunters. Yeah, because it's not... What does happen, let me let me tell you the truth here. Remember, we're touching on... They touch on truth and then they twist it. What does happen is exactly what Rodney talked about. Many out-of-state hunters can afford to buy those private land hunts to buy yep. those trespass fees. So the numbers do skew about 75-ish, if I remember right, about 75% of private land elk authorizations go to non-resident hunters. Yep. That is not that is not an indication of the fact that they're trying to to resident to, to lay out here in that we're stealing from residents. It's no. not. No, it has nothing to do with has whether you're resident or non-resident. It simply has to do with the market. Monetary value of your of property. A product. That's it. Yeah. And of a product. Not even of the allocation. Because the alley, it doesn't matter what property you're hunting on at uh, private land in the E plus system. Okay. It does not matter. An authorization is an authorization. It costs you the same 500 and something odd dollars for every non-resident and the same $90 for every resident, wherever that allocation is sold, yep. Southern New Mexico, Northern, Eastern, Western, it doesn't matter. The allocation is the exact same freaking price. 
therefore that has no no um and so here's back whatsoever except for that these allocations for residents are 90 bucks the allocation for a non-resident is 500 and something bucks. Yep. So they're actually charging more to non-residents than they do residents, the same as they do in the public land draw system. Yep. And to, to, to put a final point on that, uh, I, I remember a conversation I had with Brandon Wynn mm-hmm. on this topic, and, and they, they put it in here. They say these tags are a way for you to skirt and jump in line the draw system. And... and you basically buy your way to the front of the, to the front of the line. No, most of the people are putting in for a tag first. If that were the case, and this is the point I make, if those tags, if those allocations were worth so much money on their own, then why are over-the-counter licenses not that much? Right? Oh, wait. That's because the state is still managing how much that tag is worth. Yep. All you're buying is trespass rights and access to property, amenities, etc. Here's another one, and this is a fun one. Confirming inequities that the New Mexico Wildlife Federation has been fighting for years. Oh, really? I thought you weren't fighting this, Dubal. The LFC audit found that New Mexico's system grants a much greater percentage of available elk licenses to private landowners than do neighboring states. Mm-hmm. All right. This one is really pretty simple. Stop fucking comparing us to Arizona. We're not Arizona. And stop leaving out Texas, which is 100%, well, sorry, like 98% private. All right. They want to throw Arizona at us, but then they want to leave out Texas, yep. right? Where Texas, all tags go to private landowners, right? So don't, you can't throw A with, at us without looking at Z2, yep. all right? Don't forget Texas. <laughs> all private. Yep. All private. No public. There's a little bit. Yeah. But, right? but Arizona, there's a reason that they try and... They try and compare us to Arizona, and this is the and a reason that it doesn't work exactly. And this is what they won't tell you. They say, "Look at Arizona; mm-hmm. it's all draw tags for elk in Arizona." Yep. The reason for that one: Arizona is its own state, and under the system that we have, North American Model of Wildlife Conservation, that they tout, that they don't know anything about. Yeah. The states are allowed to manage how they see fit. Yep. So Arizona decided that's what they wanted to do. But here's why Arizona decided that's what they wanted to do. Yep. Because, and I got this straight from an Arizona Game and Fish officer, and I looked at it myself, Arizona prime elk habitat, 90% of it is already on public land, so there's no reason for a private land system. Right. Period. We got 50-50, and they got 90-10. All right, so that's why it's not the freaking same. Also, why are you leaving out neighboring Colorado, mm-hmm. who non-residents flock to because they have over-the-counter tax? All right, don't don't try and compare us. They also without, have landowner systems. Yeah, and don't try and compare us without actually presenting the facts. All right, and they're not doing that. They're they they have an agenda. They're pushing crap 
to make you believe in their bullshit so they can get their agenda pushed. That's that's all they're trying to do. They want private land. They want access to private land. They want to take private land. That's what they want. And they're selling it by trying to convince you that we're going to have an extra tag. Okay. Um, we gotta we got to kind of move through the through it because there's so much in this thing. Right. Um, <clears throat> game and Fish takes great efforts to set hunt levels for a big game in a way that sustains herds. However, landowners and out-of-state hunters, not New Mexicans and public land hunters, are the beneficiaries of department policies. The audit report states, These policies directly impact legislators, local constituents, and Game and Fish could be more transparent in reporting those social outcomes to the legislature. All right. Number one. It's all public information. All of this information is on the Department of Game and Fish website. 100% of it. It's very easy to go find. I go find it every single year and look through it. You want to know where the Legislative Finance Committee got those numbers? Yeah. From Game and Fish? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same numbers that I get? Yeah. Yeah. Same numbers you get. That's called transparency. It is transparent. Okay, it's there. If you, if you want to look at these numbers, these numbers that I talk about, if you want to go look at the numbers of the difference in the the uh, previously when we had roundup tags and now when we don't, guess what? It's all on the Department of Game and Fish website. It's still there. You know, as a matter of fact, I looked at it again this year. It's still there. It's still there. That's that's one hundred percent transparent. I don't I don't know how you can be more transparent. So, idiots. <sighs> up high on the soapbox today. Well, they piss me off. <laughs> and this one really pisses me off. This one pisses me off bad. Uh, and we're going to hit a touchy subject right here. But here we go. Whew. Tough to be a white guy nowadays. New Mexico is one of the most diverse states in the nation. And nearly half its residents identify as Hispanic. Identify as Hispanic. Does that mean that maybe they're not Hispanic, but they identify as Hispanic? Let's leave leave that lay. Half its residents identify as Hispanic. It also has one of the largest Native American populations. When E-plus takes elk tags away from New Mexicans and hands them to wealthy non-residents, those tags are being taken disproportionately from Hispanics and Native Americans and being given to wealthy, predominantly white hunters. So very simply, fuck you. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah. very, what does very race simp- have to do with this? Yeah, well, it doesn't. But very simply, what this is, is this is, a, uh, this is evidence of left-leaning policies yeah. pushing for redistribution of wealth. Exactly. That's all it, it is. We're racist white guys taking tax so, away from Mexicans let and, me, and Native Americans. Let me dispel it. Okay? Uh, do I know the demographics of who buys private land tags? No. no. But I can tell you this much. They're not being taken from residents. No, first, first things first. These are two separate systems. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this when we talked about the 60-40. But you cannot... Yeah, we did. Yeah. You cannot take... All the tags and well, put them... Yeah, we're going to hit that again here in a minute, okay. yes. Anyways, so you cannot biologically put all the tags into a draw system like they want. 
the the system can't handle it. The 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 animals can't handle it. No. Anyways, secondly, when you look at who is buying private land access, private land allocations or hunts, I can tell you from experience, nobody is getting on the phone and going, "You want to buy an elk hunt? What race are you?" Yeah, no, no, it's not I'm happening. not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to take your money. No, money is green. And that is the only color that matters whenever these private landowners are trying to get the most they can for trespass rights on their property. Correct. That's it. That's the only color that matters. And it is absolutely irresponsible and outright a lie to say that it has to do with anything uh, like race or gender or anything else. It's right. it's just bull crap. It is. It's 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 sad. It's a sad place to go. It's a it's a it's a grasp at some reality that they think is out there. Yeah. So here's here's where we're gonna get to kind of what you were hinting at right there, Kyle, and it's something that both of us have been screaming from the rooftops for a while. Um, it's time for New Mexico to join other states, blah blah blah. Um, Arizona, for example, requires a minimum of 90% of licenses go to residents and sets aside no licenses for outfitted hunters. Wealthy hunters who want to hunt private land in Arizona must first draw a license, and then they can broker a deal with landowner for access. All right, this is that one that you were just talking about, right? This is where you look at that 60-40 split, right? And this is where... Their entire the the, the system. hypothetical yeah. in thirty four correct. This is where their entire pro their their entire thing falls short. Their okay? argument does and, not fit. And, and this is how we this is how we know they're not after getting you more allocations as a resident hunter or a public land hunter. This is how we know that they are that they think you're stupid. That they think you're gullible. And they think that they can trick you with their stupid misdirection. This is truly why. Because in that system, all right, 60-40 split between public and private. All right? The game department sends out biologists and the biologists do their studies and they do their surveys and they figure out, okay, this is the cow-cows and this is the bulls and this is that and this is the other. And we can safely take this many elk out of that herd. Yep. Right? And then they say, okay... So this is what happens when you hunt on public. This is what happens when you hunt on private. We can safely take this many number of elk. And they give out the tags. And they keep a couple of things in mind. Quality of the hunt. How well we enjoy the hunt. Several factors go into how well we enjoy the hunt. How many animals did we see? How many other hunters did we see? How, how good was the, the terrain? You know, um, did we get an animal? Did we not get an animal? Did we get an opportunity? Did we not get an opportunity? These are the things. And they, they, they put out the survey every year when you fill out your harvest report that asks these questions, yep. you know, to help them determine the quality of a hunt so they can better serve us. That's what they're doing. All right. Now, that means. Yeah. If you take away, if you take those 40 tags, we're going to go with there's 100 tags, right? 60 of them are on public, 40 of them on private. And you're going to take those 40 tags away from the private land hunter, right? 
that white non-residents get. <laughs> All right? You can take them 40 tags away from them, and you're going to put it in the public land draw. So now, instead of what is, let me, let me do some quick math here real quick, Kyle. Um, 60 times 0.84. Okay, 50 tags is what we would have had to residents on public land. Yep. 50 tags. So now instead of 50 tags on public land, we have 84. Yep. 84. And that doesn't count the non-residents and um, outfitters. Here's the thing. The outfitters may still be able to go to some of these private land hunters. But that means 90% of the people, because only six tags go to non-residents, right? Of those six, how many do you think can actually afford to pay the money to go to the private land? Because you still got to pay that trespass fee, right? I'm going to go with 70, 75, or se- like 75% of that. So maybe three. Three to four. Yeah. I, I think it's much lower. I think it's one. I think because the vast majority of the people that put in for the non-resident pool can't afford to go on public land. That's why they're putting in for the... Well, now they do. But if you made them all the put draw. in, I would say that those numbers would probably stay consistent. So you'd probably have four think, of them who could. I would think that the majority of those who could still afford it would just go somewhere. They were, they're going to go hunt somewhere else. Maybe. Because, again, they're not just paying for the elk tag. Yeah. They're paying for the amenities. And they're not going to want to draw a tag that they can't go Guaranteed hunt on. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're not going to want to do it. So I think the number is going to be lower. That's fine. If you think it's going to be 75%, I think it's going to be 10%. Let's say let's say we went with conservative and said it's going to be 45, you know, 75%. Yeah. That's four tags. Four tags that are going to yeah. be on private. Yeah. So now you have 96 people hunting. Yeah. From 60 to 96. On public land. And based on the harvest, the expected harvest rate, Mm -hmm. you are now going to harvest more than that population can handle, which could tip a population one way or another. And eventually, and you're going to run into this, less camping availability. Yep. Less availability to see animals because you're going to have people everywhere. These are the problems that you're going to run into. What right? happens right you, now whenever you have a lot of pressure on public land? Yeah, the, the animals haul ass. They Where all run they, to private They land. all run to private. And, and this is a huge problem. And they don't have an answer to So give me an answer, okay? Because we can't do this. We can't do this. We can't take those 40 tags and move it to the public land draw and, and expect that any of those public land hunters are going to be able to afford the private land tags. Well, and so here's another point to make. You now, under that system that they're trying to push, you now have the um, 100% or, you know, 90 some odd percent of people on public land. The animals are going to be pushed to private land. Mm-hmm. Landowners can can no longer... Um, there's no monetary there's value no monetary for value for them, so they're no longer going to build it into their their ranch model for sustainability there no no one can hunt those animals now 
correct. So they're probably going to have zero value to the landowner who is going to now uh, claim a depredation because these yep. animals are eating grass that uh, are set aside for his livestock. Jennings, so now the department is not only not getting money for the license that would have been sold on private land, now they're having to pay for someone to go deal with the depredation on the private land. In addition to that, they have lost more than half of their budget. Yep. Because according to the Legislative Finance Committee, almost two-thirds, or almost, you know, almost three times the amount of elk revenue is generated by non-residents, Versus residents. Yeah. Two-thirds of all elk hunting revenue comes from non-residents. It, Just saying. It's it's sad. And, and that money is dependent. So so what we've what we've covered here in, in this past hour is this. They want to take away everything from private landowners. Everything. They want to take away everything from them and give it to public land hunters. They do not want to recognize the value that private landowners provide in habitat, in water, in improvements. You know, they put out drinkers. They put out all kinds of stuff. They do all kinds of great things for habitat. Um, They are half the reason, half the reason we have elk in the first place. Because without private land support, we would have never got elk reintroduced into New Mexico anyway. Or pronghorn. Or pronghorn. Or I was turkey. I was on I was on I was on numerous pronghorn trap and transplant to yeah. repopulate uh, the I think it's the Madrid range down there, yep. uh, north and east of Ros- or west of Roswell. Um, where do you think all those animals came from? Yep, not public land. We trapped them on private land. Yep. Yes, I know they are. They do belong to the people of the do. state of New Mexico. They do. But the land belongs to the landowner. I know people. I mean, this this is a fact, right? I know people who have, on their own private land, installed water drinkers for the sole and specific purpose of creating good antelope habitat so they could have, count it, two antelope tags per year. Right? These are private landowners who did that for the state with the, with the expectation of getting two antelope tags per year. Okay, installed water. And it increased antelope habitat. It increased the antelope herd, and it made a better situation for all parties involved, not just private, but also public lands, because these antelope don't just stay on this private land because it's not a particularly large piece of private land. So you have created, the the private land has created a better situation for public land. They have created more habitat, more space, more water, 
which increases the herd size, not not herd size, not only on their property but on private or on public property as well. Therefore, benefiting us. You could also take that even further and say it benefited all wildlife, all wildlife within that area, because yep. particularly here in New Mexico, we are water limited. So anytime you put in water, you're going to increase the biodiversity in that area. Quail, dove, period, elk, deer, antelope, Barbary. Uh, you name it. There's all kinds of things that benefited from that. The field butterflies, mice, salamanders, butterflies, songbirds. All kinds of things, right? But let me tell you something. They did that because there was monetary value in those two antelope tags, right? Because they could sell those tags. They could, uh, th- sorry, they could sell allocations. There you go. They could become a part of the A-plus system, which is much better than what we currently have for antelope now. Um they could become a part of that A-plus system because, and then get some tags. And they had a monetary value to these landowners. All right? Is that going to happen now? If, if this happens, if this goes and this passes and they get rid of the E-plus system and landowners don't have any way of, of allocating tags on their property... Is that going to happen? By and, by and large, no. no. They're, they're, they're going to exclude it, and you're going to have far more depredation complaints. You're going to have far more wildlife-human uh, conflict. And the department, it, it, this was this was the conversation we had with Katie DiLorenzo back three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, probably four years ago now. Um, you know, her solution was, well, the department will pay the landowner uh, yeah. to for, for those depredations. From where? And where are you going to pay them from? Here is where they're not only taking lands, but turning hunting into an elitist sport. Because you're 100% right. Now you've created a system where not only are you not making as much money, but you're spending more. Yep. Making less, spending more. How do you compensate for that, Kyle? Please tell me how you compensate for that. You have to find alternative funding sources. Yeah, and where's that alternative funding going to come from? 100%, almost 100% of all funding comes from what? License dollars. License sales. So guess what? Go ahead and contact the Attorney General and tell him that you want him to double or triple our license costs. Our license fees, what it costs us to hunt deer, hunt elk, hunt pronghorn, apply for a hunt. Tell them the you're habitat doing it for stamp. the average New Mexican. Yeah, 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 average New Mexican. You want you want average New Mexican prices? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> um, there is zero chance that this is a good thing. Zero chance. I'm sorry. They are counting on you being stupid, uninformed, ignorant gullible all of those things that's what they want don't do it don't don't read that you're going to get more tags you're going to have more opportunities more chances to go hunting and think that this is a good thing that's the same bullshit story that they sell every single time yep yep they can't do it they cannot they cannot deliver what they're selling so i think i think we we could probably end this one here, and we'll hold the second topic for an, for another podcast. I, I think so. I would bet we're going to have enough to say about that to fill another podcast. I, I think so. Um, 
it saddens me, uh, you know, I, I, I want to f- finish with this. It saddens me to see um, an institution like the Wildlife Federation that was started by a true conservationist, Aldo Leopold, um, reduced to what it is today. Aldo Leopold, Elliot Barker. Elliot Barker, yeah. Um, it, it, it truly saddens me because... These organizations that, that claim to be for hunting, they're not for hunting. You know what they're for? They're for the hunting dollar. They're for getting your hunting dollar and putting it to use for their own gains, yep. not not for ours. They don't represent us. They just they, they flat out don't represent us. Um, I have far more respect yeah. for a representative of, let's say, Sierra Club, who will stand up and tell you exactly what they're for, and fight for it than I do for Jesse Dubel yep. and the Wildlife Federation. Yeah. Because BHA, or, yeah, Senator New Mark Mexico Heinrich. BHA, yeah. Because um, they, at least, are standing on their principles and telling you, I may not agree with it, yep. but I can respect it. Um, the Wildlife, New Mexico Wildlife Federation, and in my opinion, the New Mexico BHA chapter are and probably the National BHA, are trying to pull the wool over your eyes. They They are are trying to make you think that they are the good guys and um, their actions say differently. The people that, and we'll talk about this in the next podcast, but the people that Jesse Dubel and New Mexico BHA aligned themselves with for Senate Bill 312... Yep, that tells tells you everything. It does. And listen, I am not. Does. I am not. I am not opposed to getting together with people and discussing things and coming to a common solution. But what I am not for is people within the hunting community claiming to be one thing and doing the exact opposite. Exactly. Yeah, I don't like it, uh, and it's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, like I said, you, you look at our hunting dollars and where our hunting dollars come from, and to me, that's what they're after. They're not they're not after protecting protecting conservation. They're more for preservation than they are for conservation anyway. Um, and preservation and conservation are 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 different. Um, you know, we're for the wise use of the resources um, and. It seems a lot of times they're for the non-use or the use by specific people. Um, it, it, it just, man, it eats me up. It eats me up to see it. A, a, a group like that uh, doing this. So, yep. Huh? We're way up here on the soapbox. I have to grab a ladder to get on. <laughs> Bun- bungee cord, <laughs> something. <laughs> bungee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the next one's not going to be any better. It's not going to be any better. We uh, might as well just stay up here, right? <laughs> Sit up here for a while and come at you next week. Um, we do have some fun stuff coming, though. We we we've got a lot of uh, of. Um, Hunt it forward yep. stuff coming your way. 
Uh, hunting season is underway. People are out there posting pictures of antelope, um, the pronghorn. Uh, we've got some hunts coming up. Um, all kinds of actual fun stuff that has to do with the act of hunting <laughs> rather than the policies the, of the politics of hunting. Yeah. Um, coming up. But, uh, but we are still going to have some more of this because we feel it's very, very important because uh, we don't want the people out there. If we don't talk about this, somebody has to. It's going to sneak up and surprise everybody. So yep. uh, we, we need to be aware of it and, and talk about it. Uh, it's absolutely draining. I hate doing it, but um, I feel like there's hardly anybody else talking about it. So it's going to be us. Yep. Cool. All right. Thanks for joining, guys. Adios. Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios.